in prayer. Let's, let's start with a word of prayer. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for today. We're thankful for a good day. We're thankful for great weather. We're thankful for the supper we had tonight. We're thankful for uh, the fellowship of our church family. We lift up our church family in prayer. I pray for those that are uh, dealing with all sorts of things, those that are sick, those that are ill, uh, those that could not be here tonight. We pray for them. Uh, again, we're thankful for the food that we we're able to have. Now, I pray for our Bible studies tonight, uh, that you would bless them, that you would work through them, that you'd be known through them. Uh, and I pray that they would be pleasing in your sight. Uh, I pray for our teachers, that you would empower them, and that it would be your truth that goes out tonight. I pray for our, our kids' classes tonight, for our youth class tonight, for the other adult classes tonight as well. And then I pray for us tonight in this room, those that are listening in, I pray that we would again grow in the truth of your word, uh, that, it would, that it would build us up, that it would equip us, and that we would be closer to you walking out of this room. We, we trust that to you, and I pray in Christ's name, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, tonight we're continuing on our lesson, the grand scheme of things, uh, moving right along. We're still in a section uh, on the gospel accounts. We've been in a pretty... Uh, a good run of, of lessons out of the gospel accounts. We've probably still got uh, 10 or so lessons that will come out of the gospel accounts. We've moved into the New Testament. After that, we'll move into the epistles, uh, the letters of the New Testament. Uh, but right now, we're looking at the, the life of Christ, the teaching of Christ, the ministry of Christ, all of these things uh, that, that, that uh, we see recorded in the, the four gospel accounts in our New Testament. Tonight our key verses are found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. Matthew chapter 13, 24 through 30. And then jumping down verses 36 through 43. I, I like to go ahead and read those verses so we can start thinking about them. And then we'll go piece by piece through those verses in just a moment. So tonight starting off in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 24. It says this, Jesus presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. The slave said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, for while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. And jumping down to verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the tares and of the field. And he said, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man, and the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom 
all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 43, then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Again, that's the set of verses we're going to look at tonight. Uh, The key point, if you look on your worksheet, as Jesus continues to teach about the kingdom of God and his coming as its king, as his coming as its king, he again teaches in parables, revealing profound truths about his kingdom. Now, uh, starting off tonight, start to think about uh, the, the context of what's happening, the situation of what is going on here. Jesus has come. He has been born. He has grown up. Uh, he has started uh, his ministry. Uh, in his ministry, he is preaching and he's teaching that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God has come. He has said very clearly, uh, he is the Messiah. He is the Savior uh, sent from God. And so imagine Uh, As these people are hearing that, uh, they're starting to wonder about this kingdom. Well, he says the kingdom has come. He's told us he is the Messiah, the Savior of God. And they're they're wondering, well, what is is happening? Uh, When are things going to take place? They have been waiting for generations now uh, for this kingdom to come, for its king to come, uh, for its Savior to come. And they've been thinking about, this is our hope. It may be bad now, but it's going to get better when this happens. Uh, They've been talking about with their older folks. Uh, We've heard about the days of King David. We've heard about the days of King Solomon. We've heard about the splendor of the kingdom. When is that going to happen? And so as they're hearing the teaching, uh, as they're seeing Jesus actually teach these things, uh, there are, are, are a multitude of questions that are coming up. Well, Misunderstandings are springing out of that. Conflicts are coming out of that. Uh, Really, there's a conflict between what they think is going to happen and what is actually happening. And so here are all these questions. Well, with all of these questions, Jesus continues to teach them in parables. Now, remember, a parable uh, was a story that would be familiar to them uh, that they could understand Uh, to give them understanding of the thing that he's talking about. So they're wondering about the kingdom of God. They're wondering about what he is teaching about the kingdom of God. And he answers these questions uh, using parables. And so that's where we're at tonight. We started last week looking at one of the parables that explain the kingdom of God. Tonight we'll look at another. On your worksheet it says, So explain this kingdom. Uh, As Jesus announces the arrival of his kingdom, Again, there are all these questions that are, that are popping up. Now, think about these folks. Well, if the kingdom is here, then why are the religious leaders opposed to it? Shouldn't they be with it? Uh, if the kingdom is here, why isn't there a greater response to it? A whole lot of Jerusalem is turned against Christ. If this is really the kingdom, why aren't they getting on board with that? Uh, if, if this is the kingdom of God... Uh, where's the movement? We ought to have a movement. I thought we we're getting an army together. I thought we we're going to push Rome out. Where's the growing move, movement? Here's the biggest one. If this is God's kingdom, why are evil things and wicked people still prevalent? And so they go, we see sickness. We see death. 
We see sinful people, evil people. I thought this was the kingdom of God. I thought he was the Christ, the Savior. What are these things doing still going on? And so they're wondering about that. And then they're probably wondering, so when's he going to do something about it? When's the king going to be the king? When's he going to exert his power? They're wondering, what are we waiting on? Well, in the midst of all their confusion, uh, Jesus keeps teaching about the kingdom, revealing great truths about the kingdom. Uh, As is his pattern, he uses uh, parables to explain it. Now, I think their biggest question, and I think a very big question for us tonight is this. Uh, Why doesn't God stop evil? You ever wondered that? Why doesn't God stop evil? If he's powerful and he's able to stop evil, uh, rapists, child abusers, why doesn't he stop them? Why doesn't he remove them? Why do bad things keep happening? And I'm sure they're wondering that. And you may say, you know what? Why why does this young child get this sickness? Why do we have to deal with these things? And that's a question. If, if, If Christ is in control and he's powerful, why are these things still going on? And those are still huge questions today. Well, that's what they're asking. That's what they're wanting to know. And so in the form of a parable, he sets out to answer their questions. All right, we're gonna go piece by piece uh, through the verses. Let's start in verse 24. Jesus presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Jesus presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Jesus says, this kingdom, the one he's preaching, It is similar to, or it can be compared to, this account that he's about to describe. Now, if you you read the account, as we have done and we're going to do, the account is, again, an account they can understand. It was a picture that was frequent uh, to them that they would understand, and so this is a common practice that they could understand. All right, verse 25. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. Now the word tares here, it's an interesting word. It translates weeds. And so the the most basic understanding, it is weeds. Um, But it's actually more than that. Uh, It most literally translates a word darnel. A darnel is a type of ryegrass or a ryegrass type of plant uh, that looks very similar to wheat. Uh, and yet its seed is not usable as a grain. And so it grows with wheat. It looks like wheat. It's very similar to wheat. But once it heads out, its grain carries no protein content, uh, has, no, has no real benefit. And it's then that you can discern it's not the wheat. And so it is a weed. It is a, a, a crop that's not desirable. It looks like the wheat. It grows in the midst of the wheat yet it has no benefits, not a usable grain. All right, verse 26, verse 25, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. Verse 26, but when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. As the crop matured, its identity becomes clear by its fruit. Now you can see this is wheat. You can see the grain that it produces so you know what it is. Well, at the exact same time when the tares 
reached maturity as well, uh, they were also able to be identified. This is not wheat. This is not desirable. There is no benefit in this plant. So as they mature by their fruit, they're able to be discerned for what they are. Verse 27, the slaves of the landowner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? Starting right here, we're not going to get to the answer to the second half of this, but starting in verse 27, uh, the, the meaning of the parable starts to become evident. The meaning of the parable starts to be seen. If this is the kingdom, why are there problems? And that's what you start to see here. If this is the kingdom, uh, why are there problems? And then here's a, a question. If this is the kingdom, then why are those opposed to the kingdom allowed to flourish? And they can't understand that. If the king's here, if this is the kingdom, why would those who are set against the kingdom allowed to flourish? Verse 28. And he said to them, an enemy has done this. The slave said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? Now, verse 28 makes sense. There's weeds in the crop. The slave said, well, let's go get them out. These are going to be problems. They're going to compete with the grain crop that we want. The slaves say, well, let's remove them. Let's go get them out. Verse 28 reveals the heart, I think, of many people, and that is this. God, why do you not remove our problems? God, why do you not remove our problems? I'm going to tell you, I, there's a lot of times I sit around and go, God, why don't you remove our problems? God, I, I don't understand this, don't like this. Why won't you remove their problems. A bigger question, why should we who've trusted Christ have to exist with evildoers? Um, I, I, I still go, you know what, I, even now, I know this isn't heaven, and I know the perfection of heaven is coming, but sometimes I think, well, I don't deserve this. We don't need this. I don't want to do this. Why doesn't he go ahead and fix these things right now? now that's, that's the dilemma you see and develop there uh, between his followers. Uh, verse 29 and 30. But he said, they say, you want us to go gather them up? But he said, no. For while you're gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first, gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. In the parable, it's very simple to see here. Uh, there are two different ends. There's going to be an end for the tares, and there's going to be an end for the wheat. All right, so that's the teaching. Uh, he, he, says, he says that, gives that picture uh, to them, and then the group begins to break up. Go back to the places they come from, says that he goes back to the house, goes into the house. Uh, after he goes into the house, the disciples uh, follow him and come up to him. So we're jumping ahead to verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. 
Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the tares and the field. After teaching the larger group, Jesus' close disciples follow him. They, they meet him in the house. Uh, once they are settled in, they begin to ask him, explain what you're talking about. Explain what you mean. I, I think it's interesting here. If you want to know, he'll tell you. It's not a secret. He's not saying, well, here's a secret. Uh, if you want to know, he'll show you. If you don't want to know, you can go on your way. You can go somewhere else. But if you do want to know what it means, he'll, he'll tell you what the truth is. They want to know, uh, and, and so he tells them uh, what his parable means. I think it's important to see right here, even his disciples are struggling with the same questions that everybody's happening, having. And so, so they're, they're sitting there trying to figure out what's going on. Why is he doing it like this? When's this going to happen? When are we going to get an army together? When are we going to put the kingdom back uh, the way it once was? And so, so they're, they're sitting there having the same questions. I think it's even probably deeper for them because this is the Messiah. We're traveling with the Messiah. This is the one that's supposed to do it. So these other folks, they go home at night, but we're with the guy that's going to do all these things. And, and so they're sitting there wondering, what is he doing? And I think maybe their biggest question, and I think sometimes my question, why is he doing it this way? This is a dumb way to do it. He, he, we're sitting around, going around, and he's, he's talking about meekness and kindness. Uh, the Pharisees are mounting up, and they've got all these folks. Uh, why is he doing it this way? And then as they're traveling with them, they're probably going, what does this mean for us? When do we do something? When's this going to take place? I want you to think about a question right there. Um, how... How do you think the kingdom they had envisioned was actually now being shown to be different from what they had hoped? And so that's a, that's a kind of an interesting thing to think about. So here's the Messiah. We've been talking about him for hundreds of years. We hear the guy that says he is that guy. We're with him. And yet we're starting to see this isn't exactly as we had hoped. And so what do you think some of the differences would be uh, I wrote some of these down. They probably thought it would be right then. The Messiah comes, it's right then. The thing's going to happen. Uh, they probably thought they're going to take out Rome. Well, they're in our land, they're occupying our land, so the first thing's going to happen, we're going to take out Rome. We're going to get rid of these soldiers, we're going to get rid of this government, and so they think it's going to be fast, and then they think we're going to take out Rome. They think we're going back to the way it was. Uh, they're going to know about our country. We're going to have an army. We're going to have all the bands and the flags. Everybody's going to know about us. And they think we're going back to the way it was. They think it's going to be a movement of, of earthly power, political power, uh, military power. And so in their mind, well, when the great king, when the Messiah comes, we're going to march in armies. We're going to run these folks out. Uh, we're going to have chariots and we're going to have shields and they think it's going to be a movement of power. They also think, and I think they're hoping, that guess what? When this happens, we're going to prosper. We're going to be wealthy. We're going to have stuff. We're going to ride the coattails of this new king. And so they think we're going to prosper. When this happens, our country's coming back. Our people are coming back. And I tell you what, I'm going to be close to the movement. 
and I'm going to get rich, and I'm going to be powerful, and they're going to know my name. And they think that the, 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 the country, that they're going to prosper along with the country. See how they're starting to go. Well, dadgum, I don't know if it's going to be like that. Well, now this looks like it's kind of dangerous. I'm still waiting for the army to come. And it's starting to be revealed not as uh, they had perceived or how they had hoped that it would be. All right, verse 37. Verse 36 again, then he left the, the crowds and went into the house and his disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the tares uh, of the field. Verse 37, and he said, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. And he said, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. All right, notice there's a difference in this parable and the parable we looked at last time. Uh, in the previous parable, the sower and the one that's planting the seed could have been anybody uh, presenting the gospel message. Well, no, this is a different picture. This is a different explanation. This is a different account. And so this, the sower, is different. Where the sower could have been anybody presenting the gospel. And, and last week, this time, the sower is identified as Jesus himself. So, verse 37, the sower is Jesus himself. Verse 38, and the field is the world. As for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the field is the world. As for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. Jesus now starts to really identify his terms, all right? So, you want to know what the parable is, let me define for you or identify for you uh, the terms. First thing he says this, the field is the entire world. Now this is a reoccurring theme across scripture, for God so loved the world. Well, uh, the field here is the world. I want you to think about the scope of the world. The scope of the world is the world. The scope of the world is the bigness of the world. He doesn't say this region of the world. The, 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 the field is um, Israel. The field is the Middle East. The field is what will become America. No, it's the world. He's so into the world at large. Uh, that, that is the intended audience. And so the world is the world. It's not a narrow region. It's not an exclusive region. It's not a region that's not including somebody else. And so it's the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. That's what the verse says. Uh, these, these are those who belong to or are citizens of the kingdom of God. Those who've put their faith in Jesus Christ, those are citizens of the kingdom of God. Those, uh, those are the good seeds. The tares, those are the other ones. These are the sons of the evil one. Uh, they do not belong to the kingdom of God. They've not put their faith in Jesus Christ. They belong to the kingdom of Satan. And so understand this, you've got those that belong to Christ and who have followed Christ in faith. You've got those who belong to Satan and they have committed themselves to following Satan in his kingdom. Understand, and it's, it's important for us to see, there are only two kingdoms and a person belongs to one of those two kingdoms. And I think we think, well, somebody's neutral. Well, somebody's in the process of deciding. If you don't belong to the, to the kingdom of Christ, you belong to the kingdom of Satan. And those are the two kingdoms. There's not middle ground. 
There's not some neutral place where you're deciding where to go. You either belong to Christ or you belong to Satan. If you don't belong to Christ, you already belong to Satan. That's a big thing to discern right there. Now, I want you to see this in the picture. Here, here they both are. You either belong to one or you belong to the other. But they're together. You ever notice that? In our world today, you either belong to one or you belong to the other, but you go out on the sidewalks, you go to the grocery store, they're together. Here's something else. They look alike. In the, in the parable here, you can't tell the tares from the wheat while they're growing, while they're in the field. You go out and they, they look alike. Here's something I was thinking about from that picture and then our world today. There are some of them that look like one thing, but are the other thing. And so you might come along and say, this is wheat, and it looks like wheat, and it's in the field with the wheat, and it comes to church on Sundays with the wheat, but it's a tear. It looks like one, but it's the other. And that's how this is working. There's some folks that you might say, there's no way they're safe, but you know what? They've trusted Christ, and it's not your judgment. And there's a bunch of folks that have fooled a whole lot of people, and you think, man, those are great Christians, and they don't belong to Christ. They look like each other, they're fooling each other, and they're mixed together. Verse 39, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. I want to read 38 with it. And the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. And the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age. We've been studying this on Sunday mornings in our study of Revelation. That day is coming. His judgment is coming. And the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Jesus continues to explain the parable by explaining his terms. He says the one who sows the tares, uh, that is the devil himself. He says here he is our enemy. Uh, he tells us here his mission is to cause people to miss the kingdom of God by leading them to his evil kingdom by growing them, pushing them, uh, cultivating them for his evil kingdom. Uh, he is active doing that. He is working at that. So sometimes we think, well, they just sprung up and that's where they were. No, he planted them. He's cultivating them. He is active in that business. Now, I want you to notice this. Notice this about him. He is deceptive. When did the good sower sow? In the daylight. When does he sow? At night. When you're asleep, uh, he's deceptive. Uh, he is a fraud. He tries to mimic the wheat. He tries to deceive people into not being able to tell the difference in the two. Uh, he is deceptive. He is corrupt in his dealings. Then at the end of that verse, it says, the harvest represents the end of the age when Jesus is going to come back and he's going to serve as the righteous judge. We may not be able to tell. At the end, it says the fruit will be evident but Jesus knows, and Jesus can tell. At the end of the age, there's going to be an account given. And we will answer either wearing the righteousness of Christ, forgiven of our sin, or our deeds. We've seen this on Sunday morning. Those books are going to be opened up, and we're going to be judged according to our rejection of Christ and the account of our sin that still stands. He's going to come back and serve as the righteous judge. It says in that, in that description there, those who collect the tares... At the final harvest are the angels of heaven. They're going to go in there and weed them out and remove them. 
verses 40 through 42. So just as the tares, look at the picture and then look at the application. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, in that lock and step with our Sunday morning study, so just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. Verse 41, the son of man will send forth his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness. I think it's interesting, stumbling blocks. It, it always looks like to me that somebody walking in sin wants somebody else to walk in sin with them. Somebody going the wrong way wants somebody to go the wrong way with them. Somebody that, that sees you walking in righteousness trying to follow Christ would like to kick your feet out from under you and pull you down. And, and so there's stumbling blocks. Those that have committed to, to Satan in his way, they're not for you. They're not for anybody. They're stumbling blocks trying to trip people up. And all those who commit lawlessness, verse 42, and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is how he explains it. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is very clear. There is going to be a day of reckoning at the end of the age. Well, it hadn't happened yet. Gotten by with a whole lot of stuff so far. Doesn't seem that God's too mad. Maybe things have changed. Maybe he's overlooking sin. And a lot of folks are pressing their luck saying, well, I don't know. I don't know that his judgment's coming. I don't know that his judgment is sure. Listen, his judgment is sure. His judgment is coming and there will be a reckoning and that's the truth of what Jesus says here. Uh, that will happen in a perfect time set by God and according to God's plan. At that point, those who are not belonging to the kingdom of God, those who are not forgiven of their sin, wearing the righteousness of Jesus, they will be gathered up and they will enter into an eternal punishment of great suffering. We've seen that in Matthew uh, we've seen that in Revelation as well. There's a day of reckoning coming. It is going to be terrible, and it's going to be a, a punishment of terrible suffering. It's the fruit that's going to reveal which side you go to. All right, verse 43. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Now with the judgment having taken place, with the removal of the sons of the evil one, the righteous in Christ, it says, will stand out shining forth is, the, is what it says. They're going to stand and you know what? They're weak. They belong to Jesus Christ. And it's going to be discernible who they are. And they're going to stand out shining forth. That's the parable that's the explanation. Here's the question. So why wait? And your, I think your worksheet says that. So why wait? As I read this parable, as we think about this, I think we still have the same questions. Why not judge and remove evildoers sooner? And I think about that. L look at the crazy stuff happening right now. Why not just end it right now? Why not remove evildoers sooner? Why let them cause pain and suffering that they do? And I, I, I look at people in their homes that are hurting and their families are hurting and, and people are hurting. 
Why let people go through that pain? Why let them suffer like that? Why let people slander God's name? And, and today people mock God's name and laugh at his name. Why let that go on? Put an end to it. And so the, the question is, what are we waiting on? Why is he waiting? Put an end to suffering. Remove evildoers. Defend your name. Well, in the parable, we see a profound truth. Now, I'm going to try to explain it to you. It's kind of, it's kind of complicated. But the truth is this. God's kingdom is now, but it's also not yet. Now, I was trying to explain this to somebody, and they said, well, that doesn't make any sense. I, I tried the best I could. Well, that doesn't make any sense. How can something be now and also not yet? God's kingdom is now, but it's also not yet. And that's what this parable is trying to tell us here. Jesus is not lying when he says the kingdom of God is at hand. He's not lying when he says it's here, and it's here because he was there. And so he's not lying about that. The kingdom of God is now. Now, I want you to think about that. By the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, right now we have victory right now in Jesus Christ. Right now we have the forgiveness of our sin by faith in Jesus Christ. I don't have to wait to get to heaven to be forgiven of my sin. I'm forgiven right now. Right now I have peace with God. world doesn't have peace, but I have peace with God because of Jesus Christ. Right now... And that's what we're seeing the last couple of weeks on Sunday morning. We have a settled future. I'm not wondering how this turns out. I'm not wondering what's going to happen to me. I know what's going to happen. I have a settled future. And so listen, the kingdom of God is right now. There's victory right now, the forgiveness of sin right now, peace with God right now, a hope that is sure and a settled future right now. His kingdom is right now. But it's also not yet. Now listen to this. We still have sin. We still bury kids. We still bury our friends. We still have pain. We still have tough things. And, and so, so his kingdom is now, but it's also not yet because we haven't realized it in its fullness. The fullness of the kingdom of God will happen in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that's when we'll have no more sickness, no more pain, no more death. That's when we'll be able to say for the former things have passed away. And so here's the truth of the parable. The kingdom of God, is it now? Yes. Is Jesus lying? No. But the kingdom of God is also not yet. It hasn't been realized in its fullness. There, there are some folks, and I, and I, I watch people, and, and they, they teach the kingdom of God is now. It's fully now. And you don't ever have to be sick. And you don't have to be sick. And you can have all the money you want to have. If you don't have the money you have, it's because you haven't said the right thing. That's not true. The prince of this day, the Bible says, is still Satan. And there's sickness and death and hardship. Jesus said, you're going to have troubles. You're going to have them because I had them. And so it is now and it's also not yet. So here's the deal. So why doesn't it wrap up? So why not put an end to it? Why not, why not act more quickly? And the answer is this, because God is gracious. And I have to think, so we have pain right now because God's gracious? That doesn't make any sense. We're, we're, we're watching our loved ones die because God is gracious. Listen to me very carefully. The reason it hasn't happened yet, the reason he hasn't brought it to, to its fullness yet is because he wants all people to be saved. And so notice in that parable, it says, he doesn't uproot the tares, because he doesn't want to upset the wheat. The reason he hasn't done it yet is because he is kind to the wheat. He's gracious 
to the wheat. And so in, in his kindness, in his graciousness, desiring that folks would find Christ, he hasn't come yet. He hasn't brought the fullness of the kingdom yet. Here's what that means. There is an eternal picture and there is a temperate, a temporary picture. And we are looking at the temporary picture. We exist in the temporary picture. And I, sometimes I go, especially on Mondays, what in the world? Why in the world we put up with this? What in the world? And all I can see is the temporary. I, I go to a funeral and I say, what in the world? And all I see is the temporary. But you know what? God doesn't see just the temporary. He sees the eternal. And he says, you know what? He'll take bad things and use them for good things. And there's things that go on right now. And there's things that he allows to go on right now that's going to result in people finding Christ and people getting saved. And he's going to use it for a good thing. And so we're just sitting there looking at the temporary. And he says, we got to get better at looking at the eternal picture. He sees in the eternal picture. I wonder sometimes we go through painful events and it's bad and it's bad and it hurts. And I think, I, I don't want to do that. I don't like that. And I wonder how many times God would say, but you know what? If you could wait till you get to heaven and see some folks that are going to find Christ because of the hurt of this day, what you would say about that. The, the, the good example that I, that I see in this, think about Paul. Paul starts off as a persecutor of Christianity, Saul. He is binding up Christians, hauling them to their death. He holds the coats of those that, that stone Stephen. What if somebody said, God, we can't take this guy. God, you remove this guy. We, he's causing too much pain. Look at, look, at, look at Stephen's family over there. And God said, he's gone. Take him out. Guess what we don't have? We, have, we don't have the greatest, uh, the greatest evangelist, I believe, short of Christ. Uh, all the way through the New Testament age, still impacting us today. God sees the eternal, and he's going to wipe the tears from their eyes. And there's going to be peace, and there is peace in him, but he sees an eternal picture where we're seeing a temporary picture. The, 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 the lesson of this is this. God is gracious. He is kind. He is wise. And he says, I could be pulling them out all along the way, but you know what? I'm going for the bigger result because I see the eternal picture. That's what we learn in our lesson tonight. Glad you're here tonight. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. I'll, I'll, before I pray, I'll just say this. Some of us, and I think I, on Sunday morning, I, I kind of talked about, it says God will wipe our tears from our eyes. He doesn't say that the, the temporary doesn't hurt. And he doesn't make light of the temporary. And so if you're here and you're going, you know what, I'm going through tough stuff and it hurts. Uh, he sees that and he knows that. He's not saying it's not, a, it's not a huge thing. He's saying, you know what, there's a remedy in Christ and there's a better day coming. And so it's not, well, just suck it up and move on. No, he sees the tough stuff, but he also knows he is gracious and kind, desiring that none should perish. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come, and I'm thankful that as we see the small picture, that you're faithful in the big picture. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you are kind and wise. And I'm thankful uh, that you didn't jerk me up and pull me out, uh, but that, that you wait until the gospel is presented. And your mission, uh, your heart, is that many folks would hear and receive and, and respond in faith and be saved. I pray for folks that are going through the hard days who are wondering why it hasn't gotten better. I pray, Lord, that they find 
peace in you, uh, peace in your victory. And the Lord, that we endure pointing others to that victory as well. Lord, again, I pray for all the classes meeting tonight. Pray that you, you speak through them, that you bless them, that you use them. I trust this to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Glad you're here. You're dismissed.